knock knock. Eric. I don't Eric. want to be part of these. Eric, knock knock. You're not gonna stop till I answer. Knock knock. <laughs> Who's there? Nacho. Okay. Nacho. Nacho Mama's Christy Podcast. Welcome everybody to Nacho Mama's Christian Podcast, the Christian Podcast that don't take yourself too seriously. I am your host, Shane. Killing these ones. No, 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 that's Sam. <laughs> that is Dan Lyon. Don't you dare rip that, that off. And whatever you do, you can rip off anything, but don't <laughs> you dare rip off one of the greatest uh, movies of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Sandlot. Seriously, is there another movie where you're like as a kid for us, if we grew up in the nineties? Uh man, I don't know. I've I watched it not that long. I watched um Little Rascals. Oh, long ago. That's, I got a pickle. Yeah. I got a pickle. That, that, I got a pickle. That is not a movie that defines our generation. I know, but rewatching it was still like... Cause oh, yeah, I remember that. That's what's great about having kids. It's the only reason you you try to have kids. That's the only reason to have yeah. kids? So you can go back and rewatch movies that you watched as yeah. a kid? Wow. I try to show them... Um, um, Ernest, they didn't care about Ernest. Oh, I love Ernest. I'll I watch Ernest. I know. A lot of people listening probably don't even know who Ernest is. Look him up. Ernest uh, P. Worrell. Yeah. Okay, right. he's a you genius. Let's start naming him off. Okay, uh-huh. you got Ernest scared stupid. Ernest goes to jail. Ernest goes to camp. Uh, Ernest saves Christmas. Slam dunk Ernest. Ernest goes to Africa. <laughs> he did go. To- Ernest joins the army. Oh yeah, uh, is that is that it? Oh, did I get you? Uh, I think there's. Uh, is there there's- a Halloween one? Ernest saves Halloween. Oh, that's Ernest, Ernest scared stupid. Stupid, you uh, dummy. Duh, duh. Uh, Ernest scared stupid is the best one. Yeah, oh, by far. So is uh, Ernest goes to jail. That's, that's a good. really good one. Um. But uh, Ernest goes to camp. Not as good as you remember. No, it's not. I tried wa- rewatching it. And I was like, this is no, no. So, Ernest saves Christmas. It's is a classic. Yeah, even that one is like still. I tried to rewatch it, and I did, and uh-huh. I think I finished it. I was by myself. It was last, by yourself. It was last year. <laughs> <laughs> it was on Netflix, um, and and I was like, this is not as good. It's not as good as it was when I was a kid. But, uh-huh. uh, but we used to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles every single day. At least I did. Uh huh. Um, when we were kids, the first like live action one every oh, yeah. single day, yeah. and and Teen- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two and three when they Se- went to Secret Japan. of the Use, Secret of the Use, <laughs> uh, Secret of the Use. <laughs> oh man, this tell you what the nineties have so many great movies. I know it, it, they really do. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but uh, hey, let me ask you this, Eric: who's who's like some of your favorite comedians? Um, I have a lot of comedians that I like. Um, I just finished watching comedians and cars getting coffee. And yeah. you, you've never really watched that. I've seen you? it. I, I've, I've, I watched like an episode with Jimmy Fallon in it or something like that. Yeah. I love, I, I, I really like the, um, the, the science of, of, um, stamp comedy and yeah. like how people craft jokes and how they make jokes, things like that. Yeah. Um, so that sh- show really kind of breaks that down for me. So I like to listen to like, that's why I like Mark Maron's podcast sometimes because mm-hmm. he, they break down some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I like, like, I like seeing anything that breaks down how somebody does something. Yeah. That's why I love behind the scenes of like sports teams and, and, uh, like I always watch hard knocks and, um, that there's a show on Amazon called, uh, all or nothing. I know. I want to watch that. That's good. I and, seen that. and it follows the team throughout the, and obviously it doesn't give away all their secrets, but it gives you a little bit of an insight behind the scenes of how a team operates during the week because all that you see is Sunday, you know, or like for a comedian, all that you see is the show. I know. And you don't always know what goes into because the way that a comedian does a stand-up routine makes it seem so effortless. You know, yeah. you watch it and you're like, 
this guy's just spitting this off on the top of his head when really there is so much preparation and work that has gone into I've it. watched videos on now I know people don't like Louis C.K. at this point anymore because mm-hmm. of for good reason <laughs> <laughs> I mean he'll be back um, but he'll um, the way he does stand up yeah. the way he pauses, the way he uses hands like everything is intentional and, and he makes it come across like it's not even the pauses the way he delivers those kind of jokes I've, there's YouTube videos that break down what makes this joke so good yeah and, yeah. and he breaks down the way he uses words the way he says um at mm-hmm. certain parts mm-hmm. it's all used for, for the joke yeah. telling and the way they do that is they go to different clubs and they have a premise and they keep working it over and over and over so some people will see I've seen like Chris Rock at a club in New York and he sucks and they're like man Chris Rock just surprised everyone by showing up and worked on this stuff and it was terrible because he's it's a brand new joke that he's trying he's to figure out how it works yeah yeah um, and you don't know until you're in front of a crowd you always think it's funny yeah so. yeah because when you're behind the scenes trying to put something together and you're not in front of an audience it is different once you stand up in front of an audience and yeah. try to deliver something yeah so that it, it makes sense that that would be the case and what's funny about some of these clubs or not not funny what's like kind of depressing for some of these people that are trying to stand up for the first time i listened to joe rogan talk about this uh, with hannibal burris you know hannibal burris mm-hmm. is yeah i think Hannibal burris is really funny he's yeah. just really weird but he's funny he is weird um and they were talking about how these writers used to come in that people that were on on shows whether it was sitcoms or whatever and they would come into the clubs while people are working on jokes and premises and hear a joke and write it down oh. and then go back like he said um, Seinfeld at one point had a joke that he did that that they use their premise, and not because Jerry Seinfeld stole it, but because yeah. a writer who was trying to keep their job needs to give good good stuff showed up at their club, found heard a joke that he did that he hadn't, hadn't expanded on yet, wrote it down, and took that premise oh, and stole that's it. that's terrible. Yeah, so, because um, you always hear that's about... That's so frustrating. Yeah, I can't imagine how mad I'd be. Yeah. So, it's... it's if you hear about different stand-up comedians that, that have been caught stealing jokes mm-hmm. like there's um carlos they, mencia Dar- carlos mencia is the biggest one yeah because uh, he and he definitely did and he had his own tv show on yeah, Comedy a tv Central. show and a lot of his premises were reused or rehashed i mean and i haven't heard from him in years probably because well of that's that, that's right? why because yeah. all that stuff dane cook he he yeah. fell flat because of the same reason uh-huh. because um there was joke stealing stuff um amy schumer Amy Schumer's the newest one. Robin Williams was considered a joke. Well, thief I read about Robin Williams though. Yeah. Do you know? Did, did you read about uh, what he what he used to do? No. So people used to say used to be so upset with Robin Williams for stealing jokes. But the problem is that Robin Williams, his personality, the way that he would do stand up is literally just whatever pop into his head. Yeah. And so he would be doing stand up, and he may have heard a joke from somebody else previously. And as he's doing stand-up, it would come out, and he wouldn't even realize that he actually stole it from somebody else. And so it turned into, because I just recently read an article about about this, turned into some people would see Robin Williams walk into a club and would stop doing their stand-up because Robin Williams was in there and was yeah. known for that. Yeah. And um, and then it turned into how people changed and wanted Robin Williams to come and hear their stand-up because every time that he would do that and somebody would say, hey, you stole that from me, he would feel so terrible about it that he would pay them a lot of money for <laughs> it because he genuinely was not trying to steal jokes yeah but there's so much that was going in through his head and the way that his mind worked it was just so much information up there that he legitimately did not know what was his or what he heard from somewhere else yeah 
And so when somebody would say, hey, you sold that from me, he would go, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did that. And he wouldn't use it anymore and then would pay them a lot of money. Robin Williams is a guy that um, that's very different than Carlos Mencia or maybe even Dane, Dane Cook where he was so beyond talented. Yeah. It didn't matter. Like, uh-huh. it, and, and I don't think he intentionally did it either. And a lot of Sam Queens don't think he, had, he did either. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was going to make it either way. Carlos Messi had to steal people's jokes yes. and rip people off in order to do that. Um, but, well, and Robin Williams was not just a comedian. I mean, he was yeah. such a talented actor. But he actor. started as a comedian. Start, I, yeah, but I mean, that was, like, I'm not going to go watch a, a really serious movie with Dane Cook that he tried to do, he, which he tried no, to do. I, I wouldn't watch any movie with Dane Cook. Right, because he's just not a good actor. Except I saw the one with Steve Carell. He was like uh, the boyfriend oh. or something. Yeah, I forget what that was. Oh, 40-year-old virgin. Oh. Anyways, let's keep going. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but Dane Cook like, is just not a very good actor. Robin Williams didn't even have to do stand-up. He was, he was, a, was a star. He was he an was extremely talented actor. Anyway, um, Dennis Leary, not that people really care all this much about stand comedy. We're not a stand comedy podcast, but Dennis Leary was a guy who stole his entire persona and everything uh-huh. from Bill Hicks. You know Bill Hicks is? No. He's old old uh sam community who, okay. who passed away uh he smoked cigarettes a lot you remember dennis leary he had that mm-hmm. song i'm gonna hold it you know that song what the a-hole song oh no yeah so he got really famous from that he would smoke cigarettes be really angry uh bill hicks was the really angry smoke cigarettes guy and louis ck has said publicly how he had a big joke premise on how the being an a-hole and bill, bill hicks did no that louis ck did uh, and dennis leary said that's really funny and then months later he was famous because he had that song about oh, being an a-hole wow <laughs> so yeah so like every he is a star because he stole from other people and yeah. just got away with it yeah. um but what, what a lot of people say when they're when you're stealing other people's jokes like Hamble burris said this when he said when people steal my jokes i just know i'm so much more talented than them that i don't really care you know what if you need that joke that you yeah. stole you can just have it yeah um, the, the problem with like people like amy schumer is the most recent one that who that, she's a towson alumni is she really yeah, she went to university of towson i know that or towson um, university yeah is there there's you can watch it's in baltimore for people who don't know yeah, 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 baltimore, yeah, yeah. my she's wife not my baltimore. wife graduated there. yeah um so Amy Schumer, girl. yeah, never trust Tals girl. Amy Schumer, um, <laughs> just kidding, it's a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess we should preface that. That's inside joke that we have that no one else knows. Yeah. That makes it look like I'm a terrible husband. Um, Amy Schumer, there's you. You can watch YouTube videos of her when it comes to her stand up, but most of it is her show inside Amy Schumer, which yeah. I, I never watched. I've never seen um, that. A lot of premises are almost exactly like um, someone college humor was. That's some that other people did, and. Um, that's really not as much on her. That's more on the writers because mm-hmm. that's the writers being desperate and, and reusing premises. But it's just, yeah, it's it goes rampant in the stamp comedy world is stealing jokes and stealing other people's stuff. And most of the time when that happens, their careers can yeah. be... Sometimes people get away with it and become famous like uh, Dennis Dennis Leary and sometimes they're Carlos Mencia mm-hmm. and no one wants to be around you anymore yeah. and you're blackballed. But but it's not even just stand-up comedians. I mean, it's anything in entertainment like TV shows or um, uh, or songs, obviously. A yeah. lot of people hear, like, what was it? Vanilla Ice yeah, uh, stole, uh, and Queen. David Bowie. A uh, little fact I heard from Frank who was who who is in the revive to all the songs you hear is them and he was on a long time ago. Um, uh, he said, and I don't know if I believe this, but why not? It sounds cool <laughs> that Vanilla stole that from Queen, obviously, and they were, had a lawsuit. No, I thought it was I thought it was David Bowie. No, well, the the Queen and David Bowie song. Oh yeah, They're both under pressure. It. Yeah, dun, 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 yeah, dun, dun, yeah. David Bowie's dun, in it. It's yeah. the both of them. Um, and it was it was cheaper for him to buy the rights to that song 
than to continue to fight it in court. So Vanilla Ice owns the right to un- the rights under pressure. Are you serious? According to Frank. Huh. So, I mean, you can maybe look that out to verify that. But yeah. That's interesting. I would rather believe that it's true than yeah. look it up and find out it's not. <laughs> but that's what, that's what he told me. I was like, that's really interesting. Yeah. But like, it, that's, and it, it just isn't. It happens, and a lot of times it is intentional that somebody will steal from somebody else, and other times it is not. And they, I mean, especially comedy stuff like premises are premises. Like, yeah. like having kids is a premise. Mm-hmm. Have like the 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 boys dumb and the girls the the princess is that's a premise. Like you can only do so many jokes with that yeah. kind of stuff. So some people like um like uh, Bill Bird is really good where he can you know that it's just him. Yeah. Like he, there's so many people that just, they know how to do it, but other people, it's just premises that are, a lot of times you can do a premise that's just too easy to do. Yeah. yeah. But the reason why we are talking about all of these things, you may be like, what in the world? Why are they spending time? I could do a whole this? podcast. Yeah. The comedy. reason why we're talking about this is because this doesn't only pertain to stand-up comedy or music or movies or entertainment or anything like that, but this is actually a real thing in churches. Uh, not necessarily just the way that church is, is being done, but with preachers. Um, we are both preachers. I preach every Sunday. You're about to be preaching every Sunday, and you have been. Uh, I've been preaching every Sunday, but not brand new sermons every yeah. Sunday. And, the uh, same sermon over and right. over and over. And um, a lot of people don't always think about this, but we basically, well, not basically, we are creating new things to talk about every single week. That's why I think I like breaking down Sam Com- Sam comedy and Sam comedians because uh-huh. I, I that's what I'm doing. A lot of like, I I, yeah. I have to think of jokes and how to set it up properly mm-hmm. and and all that stuff. Yeah, we the the I don't know how much people know the the background and the routine and and the preparation that goes into a sermon and it's different for every preacher um as well, but there is a lot that goes into it. And uh and when you think about think of a think of a pastor who's been going for like 20 or 30 years mm-hmm. and they are preaching almost every week it, throughout a year. I mean, that is hard to do. It's extremely hard to do. Yeah. And you are going to recycle material and you're going to redo. And some, I know that like uh, some, some pastors could have so many sermons on file. I mean, I have every sermon in my computer that I've ever done. Yeah. So like at some point you could, uh, there have been times where I've been putting together a sermon and I, and it, and it reminds me of another one that I've written in the past. And I'm like, Oh, let me go back and, and go over that one. That's from five years ago. That no one remembers. That nobody remembers. You barely remember. I don't even remember. And, uh, and I don't regurgitate. It didn't change it, anyone's life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, uh, but I can go back and look at it and go over it. And then it gives me more ideas for, for what is going on for what I'm writing that week. It's challenging every single week to put a sermon together. It's not only it's not only challenging to put it together, but put a good one together. Yeah. That's yeah. what's hard because you don't know if there's a new person there for the first time because mm-hmm. when a person comes to a church, mm-hmm. they're they're looking at three environments mainly. If, if they have kids, the kids' environment, how well is that? How yep. safe are they? All that mm-hmm. stuff. They're looking at how good the worship is mm-hmm. and how good the sermon is because if someone comes and they have you have the best greeting possible but the worship sucked and the sermon wasn't didn't connect to anybody they're yep. not coming back um, so those are the main three that people care about um, that really brings people back so it's a it's a big pressure to be like okay this has to be another really yep. good sermon and you only have so much time mm-hmm. in a day so break down what you do when it comes to sermon prep. How does your sermon prep look? Well, for, for us, I, I meet with uh, my leadership team at the beginning of every year or, or before the year, and we 
um, brainstorm series ideas for the entire year. Okay, so you so, already have yeah. a very basic premise of a yes, series. It's, it's it's just the theme and the idea of what we're going to be talking about in each series, and then yeah. that's pretty much the extent of it. So and you then, did one that was like rock bottom, I think Yeah, was yeah we did one that was rock bottom. So, it was all about hitting rock bottom. Yeah. It's all about so how that, do you You have that. that before you ever get yes, to the series, yes. and that's about But I don't have each week planned out. Yeah. And so then the, the... general theme. Then the month before, I will plan out each week of the next month Mm-hmm. Even though I already have the theme, so if it was a rock bottom one, then if we did that in March, in um, uh, February, I I planned out the every week in March, and I already had February already planned out. Yeah, you follow me. So, um, and then going into that, then the first week I I just work, and then I just go week by week. So I have the premise of each week and the mo- uh, and the month leading up to it before we even get to that month. When you say premise of each week. Um, you have like your bottom line of that week, or you have your passage, it's or just a general general come out theme, rock bottom. This is gonna be an intro. Sermon. General theme of the week because we have the theme of the month, and then I have the theme. Each of the week, week has a different theme. Yeah, I don't have the bottom line yet because that that comes out in the writing process, and then a lot of times I have the scripture to already go with it. Mm. So so that's all already planned out, and then when it comes to the week of, um, I work on. I, you're thinking of it the entire week. You're thinking of everything, and you already have done kind of the, the base work of it. And then Thursday is my writing day, where most of the time, most of the, most of my day on Thursdays is putting my thoughts actually yeah. on paper. And that, that's kind of late to me, but yeah. I know you already have some stuff. But right, but, but you're you're able to do it on Thursday. Well, know, it's so it's been that my seems routine. Late. Yeah, it seems late. And for me. I I like doing it later in the week, so it's fresh, fresh in my yeah. head once come once Sunday comes. Yeah, and then um and then sometimes that goes into Friday. There there are sometimes when you write a sermon, just like when you write a paper. Yeah. Sometimes where it flows and you're like boom, 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 and yeah, you can times even it's a struggle. Yeah, but like there's sometimes where you can write. I I can write a sermon in a few hours. Yeah. On paper. Now, like I said, it's already been. I've been working on this for a long time already. Yeah. But actually putting it down on paper, there's sometimes it's a few hours, and then there's sometimes where it's two days or more. Yeah. Where it's like, man, this is a grind. It's just not coming out the way that I want it to. Uh, things aren't coming together. My the analogies, the scripture, the the. Here is a typical sermon uh, s- structure. You got to have the intro. Yep. Then you got to create tension. So the tension is the question. So Correct. let's give an example. You. So let's say you're talking about um, this be, pe- being generous. Okay. okay. So you, the intro would be a way a, a story when you were yep. generous or a story. A lot of stories money. are in the intro Ten- setting up the yep. tension. Tension is okay. We need to be generous in in a world where all we care about is money. How do we do that when we don't have a lot of money? Correct. Let's give yeah. Examples. Yeah. And and where when is it generosity? When is it? you know, not taking care of it or, you know, all those sort of things. You yep. got to create some sort of a question that you're trying to answer. Yep. Then you got to bring in truth. The truth that's is the scripture. So that's, yep. that's where you bring in, uh, you, you bring in the scripture to come in to support what you are then going to say. So you already gave and a context. Question. So tension was like, here's the question we're going to wrestle with. Let's see what the Bible has to say. Correct. So you're not putting them together yet. Yep. You're just saying, here's what the Bible says about this topic. Mm-hmm. And okay. then after you have the, the truth, then you go into the application. Application is where you take what you learned mm-hmm. and you answer the tension question. Correct. And then the landing. Bring yep. it home. Yeah. What Land is the plane? What is what is the bottom line that you want people to leave with? Yeah. That's what. So this is an Andy Stanley format yes, of preaching. Yeah. Yep. This that, isn't ours. Yeah, this is yeah. this is not something that I created. But if you think about it, um, that's it's pretty typical with with when you hear a sermon. Introduction, tension, 
truth. It's typical with branding. almost all writing stuff. Like yeah. you read, you read an article. There's normally an What's intro. What's the question? What What is the intro, point of this? Yeah, what do you want to know? Here's the tension part. Why uh-huh. you should read it. Here's some of the facts. Right. What does that mean for us? And then a closing. So when when I'm writing all of this, it, you're you're thinking of that general progression, and you want to know how you get from one area to the next. Yeah. And then and and then and then yeah, bring it home and and land it. Yeah, so. mine's kind of the yeah, same. What, yeah. What's my yours? my difference is like well. It's been different now because I've been writing just sermons, not series. Mm-hmm. When I was writing series, and what we're planning on doing with Impact is three weeks prior, I have the series mapped out. Like we already know a general idea. Um, we're going to do every once, twice a year. We're going to figure out for the next six months. Um, three weeks prior, I have it mapped out, outlined with bottom lines and passages yeah. sent. And then during the week, I like to like prepare on like a Tuesday, have it just write it all out, and then every day I practice the sermon, mm-hmm. and I know what's like not working and what I'm struggling with. Yeah, and I do that pretty much every day until the morning of, and I get up early the morning of and do it again. Mm-hmm. Or if I have a long car ride, I do it in the car. Yeah, and like pra- and I literally I'm preaching the sermon out loud again to practice it to see what I didn't get right because my notes are very like limited. Yeah, where some people write. My old pastor used to write the entire sermon out like and just have yeah. it, yeah, have every word on on his. I don't know how he did it. You're in between your outline. Mm-hmm. Mine is like barely any because if I have too much, I read it. Yeah. So if I'm telling a story of Brooklyn, I just put parentheses Brooklyn, and I know that's a yeah. five minute story. So that's kind of how I do it. But when it comes to the actual product of it, what I will do, depending on what what I'm reading, um, to do some of the exegetical work, I have different things I look up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have different books that I look into, and then I will look at what other preachers have preached on yes. and how they did it. That's part of to it to yeah. see what and I and I take from people here or there, and I pull from other people. Mm-hmm. So the yeah, question part, is: a lot of times when it comes to writing a sermon, uh, that that is absolutely part of it is going and looking at other sermons that people have done on similar topics and and reading, uh, you know, from uh, commentaries and because you if you don't know the exegetical work and if you don't know the context of what you're preaching about, then you're not going to do a good job on it. Like the easy part. It for me at least is putting my own personal spin on it and my own personal stories yeah. in it. That's that's not hard. The hard part is understanding exactly what the scripture is saying mm-hmm. so that you don't communicate something that is wrong or inaccurate. If you don't do that work, then everything else is for naught. I feel like I kind of feel like Robin Williams a little bit in preaching. Yeah. Like when I go to preach, like I don't know where things are coming from at this point. I've heard oh, yeah. so many sermons, I've read so many books, I've read so many articles that when I have a something mm-hmm. that comes out, I'm like, I don't think I created this, but I have no clue who did. Yeah. When I do know, I cite it. Yes. Like um I talked about uh Prodigal Son this week and I more talked about the younger brother, and then I talked a lot about the older brother. So I hit really hard on that, which is the part people don't hit on as much. Yeah. And um, Tim Keller wrote a whole book called The Prodigal God. And so a lot of what I got was from from him. Mm-hmm. And at one point he said, uh, if you have an older brother mindset, Jesus is, may be your model, he may be your example, but he's not your savior. So instead of me just saying that, which is a great line, yeah. I said, what Tim Keller in Prodigal God said is this. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it doesn't make me sound any dumber. Right. But what it would do if I didn't say that and somebody read the book, mm-hmm. they would go, that's not him. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the rest of what I say, yeah. they don't trust. Yeah, yeah. So so that's the danger. So uh, there, there is definitely a, a different time period and different strategy for everybody when it comes to preaching other people's sermons because mm-hmm. that is a trend now mm-hmm. where people are preaching other people's sermons. Um, what... Is your opinion 
on people uh, preaching other people's sermons. You you okay with it? Do you not of like it? Of course not. Of course not. I mean, it's it, and and this goes with a preface of just as what Eric was saying that we all have done something close to this. Every preacher has said something that was not their own, um, and that whether it, I don't I don't know about intentions of the person, but every single person has said something or communicated something that is not your own on stage. I mean, I'm sure people have listened to this podcast and said, "I'm not here too." Man, they're so funny. I'm going to use that joke. Yeah, right. <laughs> and we <laughs> and said things on this podcast that are not. I'm our sure own. I already did. Yeah, I was today. talking about Joe Rogan stuff. I'm sure I just told you Joe Rogan stuff. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, Maybe, probably. That's, that's there, but there's a difference between intentionally and unintentionally doing that. What's the difference? Why do people intentionally do it and unintentionally do it? So unintentionally, Some, there's you don't know it. But yeah. Why, why would people intentionally do that? Why is it wrong for them to intentionally do that? Because they didn't do the work. And and there and instead you are preaching something that you did not work hard to put together. You did not take the time and effort to do the exegetical work, and you're stealing. It's plagiarizing. You and plagiarizing is wrong. We know that. Um, that's why it's not allowed in any school or any class or anything like that. It, it is wrong to take somebody else's work and not give them credit for it. And it is easy to give them credit. It's not hard to do what you said, where you say now Tim Tim Keller would say. Whatever. And I've done that plenty of times. If you listen to Tim Keller do a sermon, like he almost always quotes other people. Yeah. Like he and quotes you tons of people. And it doesn't make him sound less smart. It actually makes him sound smarter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think but, a lot of it is a selfish thing. You yeah. want people to see you as, man, he is really smart. Man, he's so creative. He thought yes. of that. So yeah. they think if if I just use as my own. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and uh, there, there, it's hard too because when I was when we were doing youth ministry and you did the same thing, we used um, a curriculum to do it. Yeah, and the reason why is because it there's this uh, there's this curriculum called Orange or Two Fifty Two, uh, and it comes from Andy Stanley's church, North Point, and it it creates all of this work for you, um, or all these things for you that that we bought, that we paid for, that we paid for the copyright licensing to use. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like we just stole it, but it it gives you great small group material for teenagers. It gives you sermon bumpers. It gives you PowerPoint backgrounds and title slides and all of these things that you would have to create that would take up a lot of time to do. Instead, you buy it all in one spot, yeah. and it also gives you sermon outlines. And so, um, what what I would do is I would go through and I would read that sermon outline, and then I would make it my own. I would use a lot of their bottom lines. I would use um, a handful of their points, but sometimes I would go through one of the sermon outlines. I'd be like, "I don't like this. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do something entirely different, mm-hmm. but still use a premise of it." Um, so that it creates, it, it allows more time for you throughout the week to to build relationships, to plan other things, to do other things, so that you're not putting it all into creating um, a million things for a youth group night. So. I would do that when I was a youth pastor. Now, since I've been a lead pastor, everything has been from scratch. Uh, not a single thing. Had, I, I, we haven't used anybody else's material. Uh, pastor Lene, who works for me, she, she, she has created all of our slides and our bumper videos and all those sort of things. And so it's good coming from scratch. And I like doing it from scratch because then I know it better. But I don't think that it's wrong to use an outline from somebody else. The problem is... You need to give credit where credit was due. We never hid behind the fact with youth group that we were using a curriculum. We always said, and we told the parents that, and there was a parent connect um, piece that they could use. Mm-hmm. So everybody knew what we were doing. Now, if I took that and said, I created all of this, it would be a flat out lie, yeah. and it wouldn't be appropriate, and that that is wrong. Yeah, but 
But, uh, geez, your dog just tried to kill your cat. Yeah. <laughs> geez. Um, but, but what about doing a sermon mm-hmm. that is based off of another sermon, but not always saying this is somebody like you have to, every time you do it, you have to say that this was, you mean like everything you say or no, what? no. Like, like if you're doing a, let's say like, here, here's, here's where I'm going with this. I think it's okay for people to use other people's outlines, especially early on. And here's kind of why. Um, I think it helps people grow in their own sermon development. Yeah. And I think you get to a point when you use other people's sermons that you eventually grow out of it because you learn how it's done. It's really hard at first to go, all right, never write sermons. Now you're after write sermons now from, mm-hmm. from scratch. We use... Um, the curriculum we used mm-hmm. was essential for us to learn how to grow. That everything you said, intro, attention, truth, application, uh, landing. Right. That's from yep. those curriculums. We were only able to do it because we used curriculum. Mm-hmm. Where some people that are going to head pastor role haven't necessarily had some of that background stuff. Now they're told you have to now use only your own. You have to create yeah. everything. They don't know how. So what they're going to do is create not as good stuff. And I think that sometimes you need those times to grow and actually get better at it. Yeah. And I think it will teach you stuff. Like I've learned more from using other people's sermons um, and growing in my own faith, but eventually I grew out of it. I still at times will. I plan, like there's times where I hear sermon series. Like I try, I listen to other sermons all the time to, to hear how they're talking the same way, try to see how, right. how they're doing things. And Andy Stanley, for example, did one. Um, I'm a big Andy Stanley guy. He did one called What Happy Couples Know. And when I heard it, I was like, this is so good. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I already told my, our staff, when it comes to time in February, we're just doing that series. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to act like I made it up. I'm going to say Andy yeah. Stanley did this great series with it. But I think you have to be upfront and honest about but it. But I know some church I knew, I know some church plants that they use other people's outlines and make it their own, just the same way students do, just like ch- children's pastors do. They take curriculum. They use it as a curriculum and, and make their own, put their own spin on it. And they don't, every week tell somebody that they, they made it up and I'm okay with that. I really am because I yeah. think, I don't know. I mean, North Point has 20 pe- people helping write a sermon. Yeah. We have one that also has to go to hospital visits and, and lead a team and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. It's a very hard pressure for some people to have to do that that aren't as good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I, I see what you're saying about the you learn from it and and you can grow and, and figure out how to write sermons. And that that was a case for me. Uh, my pastor, when I was a youth pastor, Pastor Kevin, um, he, in preparing me to be a church planter, because we were working towards that, the last few years, we would meet once a year and we would do a performance review. And he said to me, he said, all right, this next year, I want you to do two, or two, ser- two series that you entirely create mm-hmm. in the year. And they're normally like a month long or three weeks long. Yeah. And he would say, all right, you need to find two times a year where you create your entirely own series. Don't use any any curriculum, nothing. You just create your own. And I did. And yeah. that helped me develop. So I you think had, that, And you had somebody to help you if you yes, had struggled with it correct, trying to figure correct. it out. So it was part of that training process, which, which you need to do before doing some of these things. But at the same time... Not everyone has that. Not everyone has that. Um, but at, at, at the same time, when it comes to starting off and and those are things i've done that and and we've been going for over two years now and uh and i have created all of my own series i also go to visit people in the hospital i also go to meet people i understand that but you can start right on thursday mm -hmm. i'm saying most people are not 
and this I don't want to compliment you, but you're you're good at what you do. Most people, <laughs> I don't want to compliment you. <laughs> most people are not that talented. So if they try to write a sermon on Thursday, Sunday's going to suck, and they're going to lose people. But it's not. I write it on Thursday, but it didn't start on Thursday. I understand. This is that. preparation that's a year in advance. That that well for, um, for certain times I've I prepare the entire year I sit down and I say okay each month and I think about and with with my team not just me and, and we talk about what's happening this time of year what is something we haven't talked about in a while so there's all this preparation that has gone into it for a long time and when I sit down to write it on Thursday the reason why I can do it on that late in the week is because I've already done all this other work. Yeah, I know. So so it's not it's not necessarily I'm just like, okay, I sit down on Thursday, what am I going to talk about Sunday? I know I've known what I'm going to talk about on Sunday for a long time. Yeah, but you're also have been trained like you just gave an yes. example of how you've been trained. What about the people that have never been trained like that that are thrown in because I know people that become head pastors of churches that are struggling and now they have to figure out how to write a sermon series from from the get-go that they've never had to do before consistently. I don't think that's cuz cuz you cuz you would write a sermon series for a month yeah. at twice a year. Right. Now it's going from that to right now oh, I do this every single time. Well, why is a person becoming a lead pastor with no experience I whatsoever? Know I don't know. They have experience, but they don't have experience in writing sermons on a consistent basis. That, I mean, like that, that. then I would question whether or not that person should be I, a lead pastor. There's people that I know that you know that that happened to. So like, Where all of a sudden they're a lead pastor and they've never preached? No, they've preached before, but they have not had the ability to develop from from the get go, big long sermon series, and you're good at it. Where other people are not as good at it. What's your, your favorite part of the job is my favorite part of the job. I like. Writing. I know. I enjoy preaching. There's some people that are that are called to be lead pastors uh-huh. that that are that the preaching part is not their strong suit. Mm-hmm. They're better at meeting with people and all this stuff. All the other things you have to do as lead because lead pastor you have to do wear a million different hats, yeah, right? Yeah. And I know some people who are like leading the church but then they have a preaching pastor yeah um and and i think that that's fine but there's still lead there's lead pastors that i think if they had to from the beginning write every single series sermon series from from scratch obviously you're going to use people Mm -hmm. and use different things then their church would suffer for it and i and i believe that those pastors should be using templates more mm-hmm. not necessarily every time mm-hmm. and but i think it's okay for them to use a craig rochelle outline not take the story and say that it's their story yeah, but take that outline and just like we did with youth group and make mm-hmm. it our own while we are growing and getting better at it yeah i would rather pastor do that i'm fine with that yeah that's what I, i'm saying I'm, I'm fine with that as long as they are honest about it because so you're I also, saying every I, series you have to say is craig is a craig if yeah, I'm, I'm saying i would I'm I I'm okay with pastors do that. I'm okay with when new churches start. I'm I would be fine if the for the whole first year they're doing different series. I'm okay with that. I I would not be. I'm okay with that for the whole year. For the whole first year, I'm okay if with we, it. Th- th- if they if you're not talented enough and you are not good enough to do that because there's so much to do with that first year, I'm okay with them using outlines more than I would than not train it. I don't think that that's right because I think that I think that it is important and part of your if you are preaching. Now if you're if you, if you're going to sit there and say okay I'm, I'm not good at preaching then don't preach. If you're not good at preaching then don't preach. But mm-hmm. if if you are the person who is taking on the responsibility of preaching every single week and for an entire year all you're doing is using other people's outlines, I think that that then you are not developing. Instead you are relying on other people to do all the work. If you want to do it like challenge yourself and say, okay, 
for this month or two months a year, like I was talking about when I was preparing to be a lead pastor, uh-huh. for two months a year, I'm going to do it entirely on my own. I'm not going to use an outline, and I'm going to try to see how this goes. That's what you should do. But if you say the entire year where you're not doing that work, that's a red flag. And if and if and I understand some people are better at preaching than others, and some people like being on stage. I'm one of those people. You're one of those people. Where I like being on stage, I like talking, I like preaching, all those sort of things. So it may be a little bit easier for me to do that and harder for me to do some other things like managing finances and budget and all the organizational aspect of it that somebody else is better at. But I'm also learning that. So like my strength is in preaching, but it doesn't mean that I just ignore the other things that I need to work on. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that just like you did when you started youth group, you didn't write any sermons for the whole year. You use templates and you made it uh-huh. your own. And eventually you got to a point where you could do that less and less and less. Mm-hmm. I am not I am not a fan of copying, uh, but I'm okay if a pastor that is starting that is that needs to grow in their preaching ability but mm-hmm. should be a lead pastor because there's many of them out there. I'm okay with them using templates for, for the beginning, even if that's the first year. I'm okay mm-hmm. with it because then that's helping them grow. That's why people like Craig Rochelle put it out for free. They understand yeah. the importance of it. They understand that they have teams upon teams upon teams yeah. writing these sermons. People aren't as good at writing sermons as as you are and as and as I think I am because mm-hmm. I, I'm okay with it. But, but still, I still use like, I, I'm like you've never used another outline the whole time that you've been in church. I, I, I would not do that. I'm mm-hmm. purposely going to do at times at least twice a year, use a whole nother. But but when, because it's so few, I'm just going to give credit right at the beginning. We do Andy Stanley's thing in February. I'm going to yeah. say, Andy Stanley did a great sermon on this. We're going to teach you what we learned from Andy Stanley and mm-hmm. just go from it. Yeah. But if you're doing a different outline, if you're using outlines for the entire first year, then you're not going to every sermon series. Here's Craig Rochelle's sermon series. Here's this. Why? They're, because they are giving it to you. They're mm-hmm. giving you permission yeah. by giving it to you for free because they understand that it's hard, mm-hmm. especially when you first started the church plant and you have mm-hmm. so much pressure, you know that, mm-hmm. to do that if you're not as good at the other stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that it's easier for us to like say, no, everyone needs to do it because we're, more, we're pretty talented in that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know it sounds arrogant what we're saying, but it was just, it's just honest because we like doing that. It's a thing that we're actually pretty good at doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you're better at writing sermons completely on your own than I am. Mm-hmm. There are times where I have to, because it takes me a lot longer to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So doing all that, like it's thinking about doing a sermon series every, doing every sermon series, creating it all from the beginning, no matter how far in, in, in front I prepared for it, that stresses me out. Yeah. Even think about it now. So, I can't imagine a pastor who is not as gifted in that, but is still lead pastor. Mm-hmm. I'm okay if they need to do that to learn to get better and to eventually grow. I don't think you should stay there. I'm right, not okay yeah. with a pastor doing that their entire church career, mm-hmm. but, I, but I'm not a fan of putting a time limit on it either. Like, do it so you can grow as long as you're trying to grow and not just copying and doing... like. It's like training wheels to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's well, training wheels. And I think that, that part of training wheels is that you have to take them off. At times, I agree. To see if you can do that, yes, I agree and, with that. And so that's why, in my opinion, to take a whole year and never write your own sermon from scratch, I think is is relying on the training wheels too much. I'm not saying to never use an outline. Mm-hmm. I just think that we need to constantly be pushing ourselves as as pastors and as leaders. Uh, and preachers constantly be pushing ourselves. And if we're not, and if we just say, well, I'm not good at this, so I'm just going to use somebody else's outline for every sermon throughout the entire year, I think is too I, much. I don't think you should get stuck on the year because I think that you can't tell anyone how long they have to use training wheels. 
You can't tell a kid, you, you okay, it's been two weeks now. You have to go off the training wheels. You can't do that. You don't know how it is. You have to have trust in your pastor mm-hmm. that they are doing it with integrity. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the timetable is. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, I don't, I don't want anyone to do it for more than a year, but there are church planning networks that tell their church planners that for the first year, they should rely more on outlines. Mm-hmm. Most of them do that. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason because the first year is so hard for, mm-hmm. for church planners that this is a way for them to to not have to stress as much on that while they're developing their team, while they're growing. And then before you get to the point where, oh, I don't have to worry about finance anymore because I have a finance guy. I don't have to worry about the student environment anymore because I now have a student pastor because a lot of people don't when they start. Yeah. Now I have more time to write the sermons because that's the goal, right? Yeah, yeah. Is to have more time to do that. So as a good lead pastor, they keep developing leaders mm-hmm. so they can take care of the day-to-day stuff that of you course. don't have when you start. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of these mega church pastors don't do anything but preach. Yeah. You know? A lot yeah. of them are are the ones who are constantly, uh, that's all that they do because they have such a large church and mm-hmm. such a large staff to take care of a lot of that. So I get that. But I do not think that it is it is helpful for the development of a preacher to never take the time to, to write your own sermon. I'm and not saying that. I know that. I know that. But if we're talking about training wheels and we're talking about encouraging pastors to the first year of a church plan is so difficult, which it absolutely is. It absolutely is. But if people are put in place that don't have experience in this, that are not equipped to do this, mm-hmm. then now we're not talking about whether or not a person is capable of doing it. We're talking about is the right person put in that leadership position. And I don't know the answer to that in every single church. You know, and and I'm not trying to question the the leadership or the capabilities of every pastor, but we need to maybe as churches do a better job of making sure that the right person is is in is in leadership and is preaching. Um, and if a person is so insecure about it, and you're the preacher, if the preacher is so insecure about it. Then that should be a red flag, and, may, and well, I'm not may, saying that you're not called for pastoral ministry. I'm saying that maybe you're not called for preaching. Maybe that's the case, and maybe maybe you should find somebody else who is called to do that. I get that. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I just don't think I've seen way too many pastors who have preached something that is not their own, but make it appear so. And, and we're we're in agreement that yes, that, that is absolutely wrong. Yeah. We are never encouraging I'm talking plagiarism. About out- that you use to develop your sermon, not just you do word for word and take other people's stories and jokes and make you look better mm-hmm. by just taking other people's work and not giving credit. I'm yeah. not saying that, obviously. Yeah, and, and, and I, I know that. But I have, but we've both seen that. We both witnessed yes. that yeah, we have. with a number of pastors yeah. uh, who, who literally take an entire sermon and use personal stories that are not theirs yeah. to communicate a message. That is, Which is called lying. It's called lying, yeah. <laughs> it is, that is one of the worst things that you can do as a preacher because if anybody finds that out, yeah, then all trust of a sudden, is broken, yeah. Yeah, your credibility is gone. Yeah. So that's an extremely dangerous thing to do. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but if we are never taking the opportunity to create our own, then I don't know. I, I, I really think that we need to challenge ourselves. You're to do saying that. never, and I've never said never. I'm just don't, I'm just saying you can't put a timetable on it because but you did when you said, I mean, if it were more than a year, then maybe. I don't know what it is. I'm just, but you're the one who said, oh, you can't do it a year. Like, I don't know I don't what, think, I don't know what the number is. I don't think that if you don't, if you have a whole year and you don't even try, 
I then, don't. Then, I don't know every. I'm. I'm. I don't know every situation. I don't know every when it comes to their training and that and that kind of stuff. Do you? That need needs to, to be a priority. Is what I'm saying. That is a. That is such a huge part of of our position. It needs to be made a priority to just say if you've never done it before, say okay, one time this year, I'm going to put my own series together and my own sermons together, and I'm not going to use somebody else's outline. I don't think that that is too much to ask. That should be a priority. And and if you're too busy where you don't have the time to do that, then you need to clear off your plate and you're doing too many other things because this is an essential part of being a pastor is preaching. It's yeah. an essential part. If you yeah. if you are a lead pastor and if you consider yourself the preaching pastor, if you're the lead pastor and you have a preaching pastor, then praise God. That's awesome. They keep going that way. But if you are the primary one communicating every single week, yeah. and I'm not saying and everybody takes weeks off, but if you're the primary preacher, then that needs to be a priority. That's what I believe. I I just believe that when you're using outlines, it's not as much you just copying and all that stuff, which people do that. I'm not talking about that. I think it, it's the training wheels. And at times, and you you're eventually going to get to... No, listen. You're eventually get to a point where you can still be using an outline, but it's actually mostly you. Because you're just yeah. like in a bike, you get to a point where you're really pedaling. You just have the, the, the yes. training wheels on there. Yeah. And that's when you need to push yourself. I do agree as pastors, you need to continue to push yourselves. I'm just saying that I think at times we're, we're not giving pastors enough grace when it comes to this area, that's what I think, and I, that's why I think outlines are are pretty valuable. And that's why I, I I'm almost likely going to always use another series twice a year, mm-hmm. for for a couple reasons. One, it helps me grow, and that's why I listen to other sermons. But two, it kind of gives me a break too, yeah, yeah. which is nice. Um, where well, I can I'm just, planning on it's, I'm planning on doing that eventually too. I haven't in two and a half years, yeah. But I'm planning on eventually saying, okay, yeah, let's let's do like we want to do a small group study. And also preach it during the week. So like it would what people are learning in their community groups during the week. I'm and then I'm preaching and following up and all those sort of things. So like I'm fine with with doing that. But I, I don't know. I, I I place I know how beneficial it has been for me, and I feel like my preaching has gotten a lot better because I do it from scratch. And I can I I've been able to tell a difference from when I was using an outline in youth ministry and when I've created my own. Obviously. My point is that you started with using yeah, outlines. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, if you have not had enough time to properly learn, mm-hmm. then start with the outline, yeah. just the way you did, yeah. just the way yeah. I did. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Of course, if you're using outlines for ten years or whatever, mm-hmm. then you are probably not growing. Mm-hmm. I'm not the one to tell you that, but you need to find ways to grow and actually become. Because I understand when you're writing your own own uh, sermons, you're actually looking at the Word of God and seeing how the Holy Spirit's talking to you in your context, and you're be- better able to preach to your community yes. when you're doing your own, because you know your community, where Craig Groeschel does not know your community. Mm-hmm. But I think that a lot of times we put so much on a, a pastor from the get-go, whether they're a church planner or whether they're walking into a new environment with their first time as a lead pastor. Now, now besides all their stuff you've never done before, now you also have to write sermons on a consistent basis. We're good at it, mm-hmm. so we're able to do it a little better. Other people aren't as good at it. It's a struggle. So I'm okay with them using templates for, for a while as they grow and as they get better. Yeah, I know, and, and we've, we've gone over that. I just think a higher priority needs to be placed on it. That's, that's what I think. And, and because it is such a, an important part. And not everything, obviously, our job is more than just Sundays. Uh, you know, there's so many important things that happen throughout the week. And there have been some weeks where I'm, pre- where I'm preparing a sermon and I'm like, I don't know if I have any time because there are so many crises happened or meetings and so just 
things happen as a pastor. And that can be a whole nother podcast of what the life of a pastor looks like throughout the week because people have no idea really yeah. what it is like, but it is it is exhausting and it, it is a lot that goes into it. So I get that. I, I know what it is like, but it is so important. I believe that preaching is so important. I agree too. That's why if you're not very good at it, I'm okay yes. with you using outlines. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know, but you should grow. That's the whole point. I, I, we're not disagreeing on the growing part. I just think it's okay to use outlines longer than I think you do. Yeah. Is is what I think, and I think you you are growing by using outlines to start. You don't stay there, just like you don't stay anywhere in your faith or in your job or your development or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I do put a higher priority on preaching, which but is why I, I think people. That aren't as good at it need to get better at. I it. just I just don't really buy what you're saying with the whole. Well, there are some people who are just not good preachers. Like, I, then don't preach. There's a lot of people that aren't good preachers that are lead pastors. Then don't so, preach. So, okay, what if you're a lead pastor of a church that has 50 people, and you're not the best preacher? You have to now find someone to preach every week. You're the lead pastor. It's 50 people I mean, in that church. I think that I think that God provides everything that you need to do the ministry that you are called to do. Yeah, in he also church. provides outlines. Yeah, and that's fair. But if you are not good at preaching, then maybe you're not supposed to preach. I agree. That, and I'm not saying you need to be Andy Stanley or Craig Rochelle. Or I agree that guys. preaching is a gift and a talent mm-hmm. and that that not everybody is needs to do it. But if you're in a spot... And you're not the best preacher. Let's say that, that's not that you're not good. Maybe I shouldn't be saying that because I do agree that it's a gift. And yeah. I do agree that not everyone should be doing it, that mm-hmm. it's a talent, same way a lot of things are. But you're not the best at it. Mm-hmm. And you're losing attendance because your sermons just aren't that great because you are you have not properly done leadership stuff mm-hmm. and you haven't been able to find the people to do certain areas. You're not okay with using guide for them using outlines until they get that stuff into place of course so they I grow. Am. That's what I am saying. But I believe that there is, like you said, talent there. There, there should be some sort of talent or gift there. Like, for example, I, and I've talked about how for organizational stuff for me is, is what I struggle with as a pastor. That's where I am, like, I don't have, I haven't had really any experience with finances besides running a youth budget, which is a lot easier than running the whole budget of a church. Yeah. So what I've done is I have people in place who really run it for me. You can go back to when we first started preaching. We both had talent, but we weren't that good. At mm-hmm. the time, right? Mm-hmm. Because we yes. just weren't good at it. Yes. We were learning. Yeah. So, so we, we can go back to that is what I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, but if you are a person who's like, oh man, I just don't really have the talent to preach, then you should not be preaching. Just like if you don't have the talent, I, to, I do to agree be with, with that. To, to to make to help teenagers and high schoolers and middle schoolers get to know Jesus better, and you don't have the talent to have a relationship with them, then don't be a youth pastor. Don't work in youth ministry. We I, talk about that all the time. I agree with that. And I, I think that up to this point, it's it, we've, we've kind of made it sound like, well, if some people are lead pastors and they just aren't good at preaching, then either... And if you... I don't know. I think there's people that are talented that aren't fully there yet when it comes to their preaching mm-hmm. that are lead pastors. Mm-hmm. And some people are thrown into the fire. I get that. I know that there, I know some like youth pastors who their lead pastor left or there was a scandal or something like that. And they yep. then became the lead pastor when they weren't ready. I know that that happens. Um, but I just think that it, we need to really look at why a person is not good at preaching if they are the one preaching. I, I'm, I'm saying that there's people that have talent. I, I just don't like to make it like a formula of, you can use guidelines. You can, or for a certain amount of time, that kind of stuff. It's just if if you need to grow in it, I think guidelines are a way to do it. You don't stay that way, yes, yes. just like you don't stay with anything else. But I think it's okay to start that way, as long as you're not copying mm-hmm. word for word and you're not doing all that stuff. I I do think there I I there is a, and we're kind of 
arguing, but we're kind of more similar than we're sounding to. Yeah. Because I obviously know there's a qual there's an importance to developing your own sermons, mm-hmm. and there's an importance to looking into scripture yourself and figuring out what the Word of God says. And there's obviously you really grow, and I grew a lot more doing that than I have yeah. from my my small group t- from when I was with youth pastor. But it was only because I did the youth pastor stuff and I did the outlines. And even when I first started work at Connections, I had outlines. Mm-hmm. And, and AJ, of course, yeah. instead of, he never just said right away, hey, all right, write a sermon on this. He gave me an outline and I used. And eventually at the point, he's like, all right, I want you to do a series and you develop it. Mm-hmm. I was able to do that because of the work I put in. Yeah. I just think that if you have not done the work yet to do that, then do the work. Yeah. Then take the time to do it. Yeah. And don't feel like you have the pressure, which a lot of people do. But also, if you have done that work and you're being lazy, mm-hmm. which is what I think you're more wrestling with yeah. is, and you're more against, and you're using it as more of a crutch, mm-hmm. then you need to grow up. Yeah, yeah that's weird. So we're, we're agreeing on the same. I'm just more on one side than you, and you're on the other side. Yeah. You don't want people to use it as a crutch. Right. I'm telling people, don't feel like you have so much pressure that you can't use it. Mm-hmm. Like, under, like, of course, of course. But yeah. there are some people that say you should never do that because you always need to no, preach okay from the Word of God. You need to use but it you are as preaching. a guideline. And I understand the first year of, of church planning. You know more than me because I'm not even mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in the year yet. Yeah. I've done it for a year now, but we haven't even planned a church yet. Yeah. I've written... And as bad as you have written six sermons, yeah, and I've yeah. just preached the same six. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I am the only paid staff member at my church, and I have other volunteers who are who are on our staff who I talk about all the time and do a phenomenal job and make my job easier, but that was also part of the development of being a lead pastor. That's you being a leader, yes. That's finding the right people. That's what a good lead right pastor does, I agree. To, to make sure that you have the time and the ability to do what I have been called to do. And a lot of what I've been called to do is delegating and mm-hmm. and leading other people and equipping people. That's really the role of the pastor. Is, yeah, is it equipping. is equipping. That's it's what equipping. scripture says. Yep. To to equip others to do the ministry of Jesus Christ. When it gets down to it, the people do the do the ministry. The pastors do the administrating and the equipping of the people to do the ministry. That's yeah. the way. That's the way a church uh-huh. should work. So so I get all those things, but I I think it's just very important. And and I I don't know. That's just that's just where I'm at. So I just don't want people to get to the place where they rely on it too much i want people to get to the place where where they don't feel like they can use it yeah where they feel that pressure that i have to write a new series every time it's a balance too it's not black everything is a balance nothing's black and white everything is a balance so um it's important to know that but But don't plagiarize give credit where credit is due that that is my only thing with it yeah if you are using outlines let it be known if if you don't want to say it every week i get that if you don't want to say it every series Okay, I'm I'm not really that big. I don't think that it's hard to just be like, hey, we're starting a brand new series this month or this week for the whole month, and this is something that that Andy Stanley put together. Yeah, I'm okay if you if you're I, doing that a takes one. No time. I know, but if if someone's using series for the first six months to a year, I don't yeah. think you have to do it every time. That's mm-hmm. what that's would be my yeah. Where because people that's it's it's boring to people to hear that every time. But I do think it's important. To, well, if you if you're embarrassed by it, then it's maybe not embarrassing. That be a red it's, flag. It's not embarrassing. It's if for the first if. I, I'm okay with you doing that for the first year, and we're kind of going in circles at this point. I think that some people are embarrassed by it, though. I yeah, think yeah. Some people are are doing that, and they're like, "Well, I don't want people to know." I think some people's a pride thing. They want people. Yeah. I don't think it's as much embarrassing. I think it's people pride, yeah, want people to to think they're smart, mm-hmm. and if that's your motto, then you just to let it be known. But if you're using outlines because you're in the first year, mm-hmm. I don't think you need to do it every single time. I I think you you just need to know that when you 
quote somebody mm-hmm. when you use Andy Stanley said this it does make you sound dumb it actually makes you sound smarter yeah, so why wouldn't you does. do it yeah I when when other preachers quote all these people I'm like man they did a lot of research yeah, oh wow they really studied I didn't yeah. think I don't think like man they can't think of anything original no, no. it's like oh they really did their homework yeah yeah I don't that's think I that so too. so don't be scared when you get someone else's idea just uh-huh. give credit give for them it. credit I agree with that but yeah. don't don't feel the pressure of all that stuff so to close uh-huh why don't we, and we might need to pause for a second to think of one, but why don't we give one of our favorite um, stand-up comedy bits that we know that we can think of? Um, so think of like a stand-up comedian that has uh-huh. a bit that you like okay. that you've said one. before. And oh, in a sermon? No, no. Okay, just period. Good, good, just good, one yeah, that okay. you really like. I got one. Um, I got to think of one that I can say on this podcast. <laughs> All right. I got one. Go ahead. Um, I, I really like Brian Regan a lot. Yeah. I think that he's he's hilarious and uh and he's also one that I don't have to be ashamed about yeah. listening to. <laughs> because yeah. that is really I keep talking thing. about my Louis C.K. Yeah. Stuff. It is a really difficult thing to find a because I do really enjoy stand up comedy and it's so hard to find stand up comedy where you're not like, Oh, I hope nobody knows that I watch this yeah. Yeah. or listen to this, you know. And Brian Regan is one of them. He he is he's really, really, really funny, but also He's not dirty. Also in the new season of Comedians in Cards and Coffee. Oh, is he? Yeah. I'll check that out. But anyways, um, he uh, he was a while ago, but he talked about how if you look at the box of Pop-Tarts, there are cooking instructions on a box of Pop-Tarts. And one of them is you can you know put in a toaster for X amount of seconds or minutes or whatever. And then the other one is put in the microwave for three seconds. And he's like, who in the world doesn't have time in the morning that they have to put a Pop-Tart in the microwave for three seconds if they're rushing so fast and they're like, oh, I'm running late. Oh, I got to get something to eat. Oh, I got I to gotta, I gotta cook my Pop-Tart. Oh, one minute, 50 seconds in the toaster. Nobody has time for that. I'm going to put it in the microwave for three seconds. Yeah, Don't chew, swallow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I love I think Mitch. that's hilarious. Yep, that's a good one. All right, here's a Mitch Hedberg one. Oh. There's a million Mitch Hedberg ones oh, that, I, that I've used before. I would, it's sad that he's not still living. I know. Because he is hilarious. So yeah, look him up. But he was talking about how um, if you're at a restaurant and they call for, um, what's the family name they use? It's going to bother me. Um, uh, Flanagan's, party of four. Uh-huh. Flanagan's, party of four. And after a couple minutes, they if you don't answer then they just move to the next one O'Brien's party of two like, what happened to the Flanagan they could be missed. they could be in a person's trunk right now O'Brien party search party of two you can yeah. eat when you find the Flanagan's yeah that's a, that's a really good one. Oh, oh, he has he has so many good ones he said, Mitch, Mitch Epperick said that he wants a job of wh- whoever names things because you just say whatever it is and put er on the end of <laughs> yeah. it. What does this thing do? Keeps things fresh? That's a fresher. I'm going on break. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on break. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a nice review. To support the podcast, you can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Podcast. Music provided by The Revived. Check them out at therevivedmusic.com. Stay connected with us by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter and Instagram.